0: Hey guys, I'm Chris, and I'm Mike, and welcome back to this week's No Limits the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike?
1: Well, COVID struck the Martini household, so I gave it to you vicariously through Zoom. You know, like <laughs> I got it last week, you got it this week. I, I was due for it, man. I escaped it all these years. I would neither. Rosie nor myself had it, so you've had it three times, so somehow we got lucky, but I guess it all catches up to us in the end. Yeah, man. Yeah, well,
0: happy you were feeling a little bit better. Hopefully, you're on the man, and hopefully everyone listening is, uh, you know, doing okay.
1: Yeah. Good enough to pod. I'm good enough to pod. Yes. It's all that counts. That's good. That's all that matters, (laughs) yes. Well, what are we doing, Chris? What's going on today? All right, well, today
0: we are, I guess, wrapping up our Chris Howdy month. So we have already done Deep State, Savage Road, and Storm Rising. If you haven't listened to those, uh, go and check out those pods. They're on this feed. If you haven't read those, don't know where you've been, but you should go read them. Yeah, and today we got we got a little little treat for you. It's a, a little novella by Chris Howdy. sort of places itself right in between Savage Road and I guess we pick up right at the end of Savage Road, and we, we get some hints about Insurrection Day. And so this is a Kindle only edition, so you, you can only read it on Kindle. And you actually, if you haven't read Storm Rising, uh, it came with a, I think the first chapter of Storm Rising at the very end. So yeah, it's, it's a nice, you know, 120 page read. Pretty good. Uh, before we get into that, let's give them a little bit of an update about what we're doing. We have a busy, busy month. If we weren't already oh, yeah. busy, We're about to get even more busy. So why
1: don't you tell them about the summer, Mike? Yeah, it's coming. We've got so much planned on this podcast. Well, we are moving forward in June and July on this feed, the Thriller Podcast, to cover Jack Carr. Every one of Jack Carr's books, starting with The Terminalist, and that will get us ready for the TV show, and we have a little bit of a lineup to bring on some guests Different people you might have heard on the Mitch podcast, they're going to join us a second time, and we are going to kick off the Jack Carr podcast in June and July. We're going to do all the books and the TV show. While we're doing that, we also are going to keep the Scott Harvath podcast rolling. We've got State of the Union coming to you this month in June. I've really enjoyed this one, Chris, so it's only our third, our third Harvath book, but I'm, I'm just calling it. I think it's going to remain top five, absolutely top ten. It's a good one. Okay. All right. All right. So, above yeah. lines. Above lines. Uh, ooh, I'm gonna to have to use the the scorecard and try to okay. parse that all one right. apart because it's close. But I I don't know if it if it reaches that high. It's definitely a blow above a path. So for yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll save all that for the Scott Harveff podcast. Yes, this is not that pod. This is not it. You mentioned it. We are getting into Insurrection Day. I think this, for being a novella, might just be Chris Howdy's best written piece. I love it. I was blown away by it.
0: Wow. Um, It's very good. I, I still think Deep State is better, mm-hmm. but it is, is very good. It's very gripping. I like how, you know, we can just kick it off. Like, I like how it puts you right into the action you know, it's just a full tour de force boom, you know, essentially like distilling. I, I can see where you're coming from because it's kind of like distilling everything he's good at. Yes, this exactly. idea of just propulsion, propulsive action and pro, like the way he writes, like, you know, it's just yes. these quick little chapters and every single little chapter has a has a cliffhanger ending. We get a twist, of course, you know, right in the middle of the right in the middle of the novella. And, you know, something that I had, you know, I'm not big into historical fiction, so I, I would classify this as you know maybe a subgenre of historical fiction. You know, taking an actual event and then placing your character in it, and then you know, sort of having an alternative history of it. You know, very very interesting. Uh, and I feel like he weaves in you know a lot of the dialogue you know post what actually happened on the Capitol Building, uh, January sixth, into the story very well. I, I liked, you know dropping. And he he toes the line going back and forth. I, mm-hmm. I feel like this could be a little bit. Uh, especially like based on some a lot of the readers who read these kind of novels, it kind of a big step. Would you would you, or kind of a it's bold, it's bold, a, a bold step. Yeah, like to do this. It's in the end, bold. he makes Russia the enemy, so I guess he saves himself there. You know, like before he right. really piss somebody off, like piss a lot of people off. But you know, he he's shown that he doesn't really care. Like he's going to play it both ways. He does. He did that same thing in Rising Rising Tiger, Rising Tiger. <laughs> Storm Rising. You know, with the whole uh, abortion plot line. So, yeah. yeah, I think he's not hes not afraid to do anything. And uh, it definitely shows in this novella.
1: i th- I think he calls it as he sees it. And I applaud yeah. him for that. Because, I like that. I like that. Yeah, me. you could have really done a lot of dancing, tried to find both sides, if you will. But I think Chris clearly describes the mob <clears throat> and their motivations and their ties to white supremacy groups very clearly is upfront about it and the way Haley has to navigate that. And then all the different players, not only her navigating it, but even the Capitol police themselves, some of them are implicated. And then uh, different people in the Congress, some of them and the speeches they're given on the floor are, are kind of in line with these, this mob. So yeah, I think he's very bold, jumps right into it, calls it as he sees it. And wanted to accurately recount what happened on that day without necessarily playing politics about it. Right. Right. But before we get into it, I'd like to share my thoughts on this book in the form of a limerick. There once was a riot on January 6th. With insurrectionists Russians had mixed. The howling mob, what a beast. As she assists Capitol Police... A massive loss of intel. She's fixed. Nice. Eh. So
0: on uh, on Goodreads and Amazon has a four point three Goodreads, sorry, four point oh three on Goodreads, four point three on Amazon. The nationally best selling twisty, twisty, electrifying Haley Chill series continues with this novella, following the former Washington D.C. intern as she faces a violent uprising at the United States Capitol. During the course of one terrifying and chaotic day, nativist forces stage a violent uprising by storming the Capitol. Authorities are unprepared to protect the nation's elected representatives as the country's citadel of democracy is breached in what appears to be a spontaneous insurrection. Haley Chill, in the building for other business, does what she can to rescue a powerful senator and his staff. But in doing so, she discovers shocking evidence that the uprising had its beginnings with one of the country's long-standing overseas enemies with no one else to trust haley must prevent as many deaths as possible while also chasing down foreign operatives across the city before they abscond with what she understands to be critical national intelligence mm. yeah so right from the bat we she goes to the capitol building to see her friend right there there she's as she's walking before she gets to the capitol building she witnesses like almost the near death of this yeah black or dark skin colored physician at GW hospital uh, knows that she's like, what the hell's going on? Uh, This is not good. Like, and then as she progresses along, she sees more and more of these people who are decked out in alt right memorabilia or regalia, um, Confederate flags, Gadsden flags, Confederate uniforms. And then as also, she sees a bunch of United States flags. And I, I like how she, you know, because she obviously works for Publius, whose ultimate job is to uphold the Constitution, uphold what that flag means. And it hurts her to see, like, this flag being used in such a way. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, little lines show up throughout the throughout the series. And I particularly like the one chapter, and we haven't mentioned this before about he how he not only titles his chapters just, you know, numbers, but he gives, like, a little couple words that tie directly into what the chap like something that word is going to show up in the chapter right or that like one of the th- one of the ones i really liked was eat kill fuck sleep and that's like a <laughs> motto that russian <laughs> Spetsnaz nods like have yeah um but there, there was this other one where like the storm saved the saved the day and yes in that chapter it talks about like the last time the capital was breached and the white house was burned down right and everything the war of 1812 um, yeah right I really, I like, you know, sort of bringing that into some historical context about how, you know, people have breached this and like the graffiti in the elevators and yeah, no, I, I like like sort of the interplaying, obviously real events and I'm, I went and looked up and like some of the things that he puts in are directly, you know, reported and what was seen from the actual day. Right. Um, and then interlaced with that, you have, you know, sort of this narrative, this, um, fictional narrative yeah so what did you think about sort of the beginning of this novel getting into the violence getting into the
1: beginning of the insurrection well first off you're right in pointing those details out because they make it so meaningful and so real and that cues you in that chris is going to tell this story in his own way but he's going to get a lot of things right and another move he makes even before the action starts is the dedication And I knew we were in for a real, meaningful, well-crafted, thoughtful story when I saw this. For the U.S. Capitol Police officers, Brian Sicknick, Howard Liebengood, Jeffrey Smith, Kyle DeFreytag, and Gunther Hashida. Obviously, the officers who lost their life on January 6th, and I thought that was extraordinarily tasteful to kick it off. And then another quote, which also kind of cues you in... To Chris's philosophy and why he told this story is an epigraph, a quote from John Adams. A government of laws and not of men. And I just think that's an important statement because often a mob is riled up because of a cult of personality, and when we put all of our faith, trust, and blind belief into a person and not into the principles of the Constitution— that withstood the test of time and the true exercise of liberty justice freedom and equality we put all of our trust in a man we could be manipulated quite easily and that's i think what the mo- is happening to the mob here and i think that's what chris wants to warn us against with the story so i really like that quote from john adams a government of laws and not of men well, all that before we jump into the action before Haley snaps off the radio antenna of an old jalopy, a nineteen sixty six, uh, what was it, a Coronet or something, and starts yeah. beating these three dudes, and and literally, he writes slices the a face dude's muscles, face open, right? Right. He says which parts of the face and the skull she's lacerating with this radio antenna off a beaten up car. Just, oh, it's brilliant, dude! It's absolutely brilliant. It's so Haley chill. And then once she gets into the Capitol she, with
0: her lanyard, like her visitor lanyard, yes. she she uses to, like, garrot a dude in order to, like, get out. The action is just amazing. Like, one thing after another, we get her, not only her um, dealing with, you know, those two people at different points dealing with different bad actors, that one MCP police officer who actually is... Like, we get that quick turn where he's like, Wait, what tells you that I'm not with them? Like, I, yeah. and he's actually the, uh, an insurrectionist. And then ultimately her interactions with the Russians and the, the action is just nonstop, nonstop once we hear those Russian words.
1: I don't know, just, I, I love that we're, we're never, we're never too, too far away from action in this little novella. You're so right. And speaking of characters, you mentioned that police officer. I think what makes the action so intense is that the mob, is a character. Right, it is. I feel like the mob is being described as the villain. It's it's not an individual or a small group of people. The villain that could tear down our institutions physically and figuratively is, is a mob mentality, right? Without reason, without logic, just based on pure emotion and misguidedness. And I don't know about you, but some of the language he uses... To describe the mob's movements makes me think of like a mythical creature. It's Mm -hmm. almost complete and utter destruction without any sort of care or nuance or deliberation. And just listen to how how all this is described when he writes, quote, The mob is a howling beast with 10,000 heads, melded by rage and acting as one, incited by rumor and innuendo. The colossus battles anyone who stands in its path. Anything that dares defy it, the monster lays siege to the building. Are, are you getting references of, like, a classical mythology? Almost like a kraken. I'm thinking, like, the mob is like a kraken.
0: Right, or, or like a dragon descending on a castle. You know? Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's that's great writing. I love that. No, and
0: I like how, like you said, the mob is is the character, and she he doesn't go too far into, like, describing too many individual, too many... Single individuals, like there's a general description of like what everyone is, what everyone's addressing. Uh, he picks out like a few characters that obviously get directly in Haley's way, and she's able to quickly take them out. But it's this collective. It's like the you know the the, the fever vibing off of everybody that is like you know allowing them to penetrate in, and just the ineptitude of. Like the the police officers there, and how no one is ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're just holding court in the middle of the Senate, probably because they don't think anything like this would happen. But just the fact, and the, the nonchalance by not only
1: the sergeant at arms,
0: the sergeant at arms, but also by you know the senator, by the senator, by her friend who gets her in. Yeah, you know, like a little bit of incompetence there. Obviously, not being ready for this. And she, I remember she mentions, and I meant to go look this up, but. She's like, who the hell is the the park police officer who gave them the permit to, right? You know, to, to do this protest. I like, what was there actually a, pro, a permit for for the original protest? But um, yeah, that was that was interesting.
1: And speaking of the mob being so unruly, she outsmarts it. And this is this reminded me at least. Do you remember that story? And there was that video clip of that one police officer being chased down by the mob, like in the rotunda, in the halls of, of the Capitol. And he looks one way and notices it's the corridor that would lead you to the vice presidential suite. And he right. purposefully Which walks is exactly backwards. where she's at. Yeah, he draws the mob up past him and tries to rile them up to follow him. And he completely diverts them away from the important people. Haley's kind of doing that here with just a little bit of wits. She tells the mob, oh, it's that way. And, you know, it's really the other way or the way they're moving from the Senate office to try to get down to the tunnel. She's being very cunning, so again, it's just not that kick-ass, take names, whip people with an antenna from a car, or use your lanyard to choke someone out. She's doing all that, but she also realizes how you defeat the stupidity of the mob is by using reason, and so she kind of outwits them as well. Yeah, and I guess to to couple with
0: that, I like how he always weaves in this idea that other operators can see Haley and know that she's yes n- not normal that she is an operator yes we get that not only with the spetsnaz but also with uh, uh, Officer Wilson who who unfortunately passes away but he can tell like right from the bat that you know this is not just some White House aide she you know is like him in, in a sense and we get this interaction in the senator's office and sort of this is our mcguffin or, or whatever that yeah. propels the rest of the story. Like now, Haley's able to successfully get him and the and the aides out, but he needs that briefcase, and she thinks it's because it holds like all this, you know, incriminating evidence for not incriminating, but um, you know, state secrets, intelligence, right? you know? yeah, intelligence, especially because he is you know the lion of of the Senate, right? Or He's the like majority the, leader, the yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, and so and he's been hard hardlining on Russia, so she thinks maybe he has something like that we're gonna do and that the Russians would would specifically want. I don't know if we want to talk about this here, but in the end, that end scene where we find out that it actually had nothing to do with that <laughs> just made me so mad. Yeah, like maybe and I, I it made like it was freaking scandalous photos with his girlfriend that he really cared about. You know, that's I I love you know, we we're on this pod, we're a huge fan of when the politicians are the bad guys. Yeah. And this is just amazing. Yeah. Of course. Of course that's what he wanted it for.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, I I hated it. Uh, Right. I hated it because Officer Wilson Gomes gave his life, and and that dude was fantastic. So I I hated it. But at the same time, it worked so well as a howdy twist because it just kind of twists the knife of all these politicians just suck. You know, and they'll all just use people – as cannon fodder and bait to get whatever they want and he only wanted the briefcase saved because of his girlfriend's nude pictures it's like come for a scandal pics yeah, and people like... <laughs> risk their lives for you yeah so i hated it and i loved it i thought it was a genius move also because i don't think in a novella like this between books you could really do a big howdy twist it can't be oh, something yeah, where it's like something else it had to be something yeah. like that It can't really affect the storyline, right? Because of how many people will read Savage Road and jump right to Storm Rising and skip this one or miss it. So it really couldn't be that big a bombshell twist. So that was kind of a fun, playful little thing at the end that that should take you off, but it doesn't really affect the story. But
0: we do get one kind of a howdy twist. And sort of right in the middle, right right as, uh, you know, Gomes is, right before Gomes dies, uh, Haley hears some Russian spoken you know, finish him off. I guess before we get into the the Russian aspect of it and and that twist, what did you think of his ability to give us a whole recap of Savage Road, as well as a recap of Deep State, bringing in Haley's father, little little bits and bobs? I thought this was really well executed, especially, like even better so than from Savage Road, from Deep State to Savage Road. And then even, even so, even more, in Storm Rising, and it was crazy because you you have even less words to work with in this right. novella. But I thought it worked really well tying everything in. If you hadn't read anything, you could just read this. You, you know? could absolutely. You could know nothing. I mean, it would about be crazy. It still would be crazy. Yeah. It still would be crazy. The fact that you're like, you're reading the president is a Russian mole, but he did a good job explaining it. I think better than Savage.
1: Well, I agree. But here's the thing, Savage Road. You had to get the reader up to speed for that storyline. Which, right. the president escaping and whatnot, it is the story of that book. So it's you have a, a taller task. Where here, you just want to color the background of Haley a little bit more to whet the appetite. You you don't need right. to rely on the reader having that knowledge. You might just want to drop it, as he very artfully does, basically just to whet the appetite and say, hey, there's more stuff like this in Haley's background. You should check out. So I agree. Executed perfectly. And like you said earlier, actually, in our opening, this is super concentrated. Howdy. Everything he does well, everything that puts him at the top of the class as a thriller novelist, is being done here in an extremely compacted sense. And so we, we, we get just these brilliant moves done with an economy of language, beautifully written, almost poetic at times. And it's so succinct that, I, like I said earlier, Hot Take, I think this is his single best piece. It's unfortunate. It's only a digital Kindle book. I would go bananas to hear this as an audiobook, particularly read by that first Deep State narrator. By Mirren Ireland? narrator, yeah. yeah. Or even the current one doing Storm Rising. She's also fantastic. To hear one of them narrate this and have a nice what would it be an hour maybe 45 minutes yeah maybe little mini story i would almost listen to that like a podcast you know once a month i would keep coming back to it it's that good you could you could
0: totally do this i recently listened to uh batman Un- unburied and it's a uh spotify original like audio not audio but um it's kind of like a radio show I, I i'm blanking on the word but you know parsed out over the course of 10 episodes, you get the story and you, they actually get, you know, famous actors to play each part. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool to turn this into like a narrative uh, audio podcast that that that's not not an audio book, but like actually active, you know, you 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 get a Haley Chill, you get with different actors for each different voice. actors yeah, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to read these voices. Yeah, that would I think that would be really cool. And you could do that. You can't do that with a normal book because it's too long. You it's to too long. It. Right. I mean, but like this is this is almost just you could just straight read it.
1: That'd be really cool. Yeah, that that right there. That's the idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but you mentioned the Russians. Yeah, this story kind of pivots. We leave the capital actually, and I thought that was an exciting action sequence where Haley's chasing the Russians across the mall, you know, kind of up Pennsylvania Avenue there, into the city. And it's kind of funny how she—I think one guy she takes down early doesn't have time to really tie him up, right? So she just tells the mob he's a journalist. He's a journalist, knowing a Washington Post journalist, yeah. yeah. Knowing they'll start beating him and won't let him go, and she's just doing little things like that that are so smart and savvy to keep on the heels of the Russians. And then that culminates in there's both a shootout on the street, a shootout in a parking garage. So I feel like for all the January sixth stuff. That almost wraps up in the first thirty, forty percent of the book. Yeah,
0: and I liked how he did that.
1: Yeah, it almost becomes a typical thriller, right? A Washington D.C. style mm-hmm. action thriller, and it has these two parts. It's almost like a first half and a second half. And I thought that was artfully done because it keeps you in the story. Right. No, I, I, I I was going to bring
0: that up too. That the fact that we actually leave, we go farther fully into this new narrative, this new plot line. Um, that he's established with the Russians. Yeah, and we we get, you know, a vicious shootout in the parking garage, shootout in front, like, almost near the FBI headquarters. Um, and I know we're not in the scorecard yet, Mike, but, man, this is a good setting. Like, you know, we're oh, yeah. we're a sucker for DC on this, but he goes, cause, because he's having to parse streets and name, you know, markers on each street. And because we're so entrenched with these locations, I'm visualizing everything. I went to school, like, right there next to the Capitol, you know? Right. right. up North Capitol, like, two blocks away, you know? And I I had lunch, and when you're a senior, you can just leave. And I had, like, double lunch my senior year, so I, we would just go to, like, Chinatown, we would go to the National Portrait gar- Gallery, like, I'm envisioning all these places, and I loved it, you know? It's, oh, yeah. it's going to get a five. Surprise. It's going to be a five for setting for me. But-
1: Yeah, and so it culminates at the Russian embassy. Right. Since you mentioned the setting, I want to jump in there because I was reading this, and Haley picks out the bus stop across the street from the Russian embassy, and she's looking down Edmund Street. Dude, I drive past that every day, and I swear, not one day I pass by and don't think of Haley Chill sitting on that (laughs) bench, like a silhouette of her. Watching this Russian come down the street, getting ready to spring, I almost see her grabbing, like, the edge of the seat so hard it makes her bleed, saying, you know, blood has been drawn, let the fight begin, every day when I I pass that. that bus stop. So the setting is absolutely nailed. One other thing about that bus stop. It's across the street from the Russian embassy, and it's directly facing it. The week the war in Ukraine started, you know what somebody had put up across the entire bus stop? no (laughs) a massive banner right there facing every window of the russian embassy russian warship go fuck yourself a huge banner Ah,
0: that's awesome that's awesome oh it
1: was sitting there for like a month or two it was great
0: yeah so about this ending i wanted to ask you if i had to pick some nits and where if i had to you know we can be negative sometimes, so I, I got to go my negative mode. The one negative I had with this was how the final Russian got killed mm-hmm. and the fact mm-hmm. that it's the SVR, at least that's what Andrew Wilde says, mm-hmm. is the SVR that kills, that puts a bullet in the head. I really wanted it to be like Publius. I wanted it to be like some other Publius, and I wanted the guy to like wink at at Haley and then her for her to know that there's these other operatives by her, besides her and April Woo. She even mentions like there was a bunch of people in Oregon. Are they like lying in wait? I don't know, what did you want it to be Publius or are you okay with it being the S V R? Like this whole like there's interplay, the S V R hates the KGBs and so they didn't they didn't like them coming in their backyard and doing this Yeah. All all of that all of that tie in, all of that explanation or exposition just felt forced a little bit. It did. When you could have just, you had it sitting right there to, to have it be Publius. And I know I'm Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, armchair or whatever, but it it would have just made more sense to make that a Publius operative.
1: I was a little disappointed when the van came out of nowhere and just gunned the guy down. Did I buy the excuse it was the Russians? Maybe, but I thought of it more as they didn't want to be seen with their operatives taking advantage of the Capitol situation and walking right up to the front door with stolen documents. I saw it more as an insurance policy to kind of cover themselves. It it didn't exactly work. I I think that would have been cool. I think what else could have been cool
0: is... Or just have Haley Haley kill him.
1: Well, I think if Haley was hand-to-hand with the guy, and then somebody comes out of the blue that even she didn't see, like let's say there's just some guy waiting at the bus stop also, or let's say there's a homeless person on the side of the corner and they just come and start helping her. And they were a deep agent of Publius currently stationed to watch the Russian embassy. Right. And they just start helping each other beat this Russian and then realize they were on the same team. That would have been kind of cool. So yeah, something could have else could have happened. The van coming out of nowhere and just hitting the dude was like, Oh, that's it. So yeah. Yeah. If I had to go negative
0: on one thing, that would be my loser. That would be the only one. and it's fine that he got killed, but just, like, the fact that it was another Russian, you know. Yeah. I feel like they would have
1: killed him, but also taken the the, the duffel bag. You right. know what I mean? They would have taken the intel anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I thought it was saved, though, with Andrew Wilde. I love how he takes her to the Lincoln Waffle <laughs> Shop and goes, oh, yeah. you met with Claire Ryan here, you know, the other day. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, how did you know? I thought that was pretty pretty cool move it's a little more continuation of her uneasiness, like from
0: Savage Road, right? Exactly. When, he find, when she finds out that it was actually April Wu who was sent to, you know, ransack and do right. rec- recon on her, on her apartment. You know, she still doesn't quite know who these people are that are hiring her. And it's going to be a current theme. You know, we're, we're going to see that continue to play on in storm rising. I'm interested to see, you know, we mentioned this a couple of times. We want to see more Publius. We want yes. we want to dig deeper into, you know, we we've got the backstory, we got the little Wikipedia excerpt, but I want I want the documentary on it, you know, I want the Ed Burns yep. like give me what Publius actually is, you know. Yeah. And like we we call it Publius, but it, it doesn't actually have a name, you know, it's just that that's what some of the operatives are you know, Andrew Wilde has given it,
1: right? right. So The Russian tie in though had to happen. Even if the ending wasn't great, I think it was a great move to ultimately And this is what she discusses with Andrew Wilde, is to ultimately say who whipped up the mob, who put them in a frenzy, who who caused them to storm. It was Russian disinformation.
0: I like that. I I thought that was a a good
1: move to clarify that. And I think that's – sure, that's part of it. I do think a lot of them are brainwashed by certain politicians here on the home front as well. But a big part of it is also the messaging from those politicians is being amplified. And here's a quote, like, Chris does mention this at the end, he says, quote, compelling an enemy to defeat itself is as cost effective, low risk, offensive strategy that the Kremlin has perfected without equal anywhere on the planet. So ultimately, he puts the blame on the Kremlin. Yeah,
0: like, you can see that their 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 army might not be as powerful as we think it is, but they have tools... That can divide us, right? And they have nuclear weapons, and that makes them scary. That's so. it. And you have a fucking crazy man running, running the, uh, running the show. So you never know what's going to happen.
1: All right, you want to get into the scorecard, Mike? Let's do it. I'm, I'm just going to put a spoiler out there. This is a high number for me. This is going to be a good one. This, this is a high number. So, we talked action. It was yeah. Non-stop. I had to
0: recalculate your,
1: uh, your total. You, oh. you did the math wrong, so. uh, dude. I'm always doing the math wrong. All right, well, <laughs> that's why I need a doctor. We need the doctor of the podcast. Here's the math I didn't do wrong: ten out of ten on action. Absolutely, <laughs> nothing else is deserved. You have to go perfect ten. This novella is nonstop. Yeah, no, I, I, I
0: con- concurrently agree. I agree with you. Um It, like I said. It compact and it's just a throw ride. We we hop on the roller coaster and it's like we we go up and we go down and we just keep going down. It's yep. like, you know, doing loop,
1: do loops, do loops. It's um yeah, no,
0: I, I actually has to be a ten.
1: Yep. Plot. Uh also wanted to go ten out of ten, but I agree with you with that small detail in the ending. I'm not sure everything is wrapped up as nicely as I'd like with a bow, so nine out of ten. Great plot, bought into the story. Five out of five in buy-in. You can't put this thing down. I think we both agreed on that. Yeah, no, I went the exact same. I think that the plot is
0: is very good, engaging, uh, almost as much as the action. And I, I did not believe anything in the story. And I feel like it's definitely something that that could have, you know, could have happened. Right. I, I buy it more than the fact that the pre- a president could be a Russian mole, you know?
1: Yeah. Maybe, though, with buy-in being a novella... Obviously, you're going to have the reader's attention. It's very different than like a Brad Thor novel, which sometimes it could get dry or you feel yourself maybe losing interest here and there just because they're so long. I feel like a five out of five on novella is probably going to happen most of the time. It's got to keep your attention. You would hope so because like,
0: right, this is normally what? One third of a book? One fourth of or a less, book? Or less, is Even less. So it was a hundred and... 40, 30 pages, 120 pages. So, yeah, most of these are like four to 500. Yeah, so probably like a fourth, fifth. So, it's got to be engaging. Yeah. All right. Tell me about the good guys, bad guys. All right. So, the bad guys, I, I found the Russians compelling and I found the mob compelling. The like, mob, just right. the, the descriptions of, of the mob uh, and, you know, just describing their actions, what they do. I thought also, you know, the Russians were, uh, I like the nuance we get with each one, you know, just the little, little bit of discrepancies between each one. They're, they're distinct characters. They're they're actual, he actually tries to flesh them out as a people and not just this entity. The good guys. I mean, there was there really any good guys in the story. There, there's her, her friend who's kind of a dick. There's Wilson. I guess he, he's probably the thing that rises the most mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, is well, officer Wilson who dies. Yep. But you know, the centers a, is a piece of shit. Uh, you know, some of the other aides are just lacking. Oh. Yeah, and there's not really any other person that Haley interacts with besides Wild. So I I, I went low. I went, went with two,
1: but maybe that's unfair. I don't know. I went with a three just because Haley Chill is super Haley Chill here. And then also... Yeah, Officer almost Gomes. like
0: I kind of take her out of good guys because... True, true.
1: She mm-hmm. is a
0: constant, and I'm always going to like her. But uh, yeah, no, I see what you mean. That's like grading Mitch Rapp, right?
1: Oh, what are we going right. to
0: give Mitch Rapp in this book? Uh, duh, he's Mitch Rapp. Well, it's like someone on Instagram said, why do you guys never give the winner, winner to Mitch Rapp? And I'm like, well, because he's technically the winner of every book, right? All the like, time. Th- that's time. Right. No, that's no fun uh, right. to, to do that. It's fun to pick out something else in the story that is rises to the occasion. Yeah.
1: I went three out of five on Good Guys because of The Officer. Who gave his life. I thought he represented a lot of the good guys in, in real life. So, And making yeah, a no, sacrifice a he did. Setting five out of five. We talked about yeah, it. I already
0: said that. Yeah,
1: I got to read this other quote, though, because we talked a lot about the setting of D.C. at large. But listen to this. I just found about the rotunda. Even when we're inside the Capitol, listen to the detail we're getting. Haley makes her stand in the small Senate rotunda. On the south side of the ornamental air shaft, ringed with 16, Benjamin Henry Latrobe designed marble columns. As the mob rushes blindly toward her, they don't know their way around the Capitol building. It's been apparent from the earliest moments of breaching the building. Just the corridors and the movement and, you know, Benjamin Henry Latrobe designed the marble columns. And I think at another point they bring up the apotheosis of Washington inside right. the Rotunda Dome. The mural, I thought, just inside the building, outside the building, everything's done well. And then to see Haley at the embassy on a bus stop that I literally drive past every day, five out of five on the setting. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: I already said it, it's got to be a five out of five. All
1: right, what do you think about these covers, Mike? Um,
0: they're kind of reminiscent of Savage, a little bit of Savage Road, a little bit of uh, Storm Rising. Is this what he was saying when he wanted everything to look similar? Because like, I feel like The main one looks very similar to to the Storm Rising cover.
1: I don't know, but this first one is so cool, and on a on a color Kindle screen, it just pops. It's Very cool. Honestly, I think it's up there with Deep State. It's very good. The fact that the the, the flags wooden flags that a wooden like ish flag. I don't know. It's got like some texture to it, and it almost looks blurry like you're speeding past it because of everything in the story going so fast. And then the little nugget of the Capitol building forming the inside of the letter A. I just love it. The You know how a lot of covers in thrillers will have the flag? This is one of my favorite uses of the flag. The way it's blurred out just to create the speed and the chaos of that day.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, this cover conveys that this is going to be a,
1: a propulsive read. Once you pick it up, you're not going to want to put it down. And on the second version, I don't know where this one came out. It's probably the UK version. I think it's pretty cool. And and what makes it is the red dress. Yeah. The red dress pops out against the black and white backdrop of the mob. I think that's just a super cool little detail.
0: I wonder, what is that picture from? Or is that just an artist's rendition of of a mob in front of the White House? Or it does actual, actually look like a like, photograph photograph from the day you know like i don't know that would be bold yeah it would be super bold yeah it's like a similar style to i think what we said last time where i believe this sort of cut up thing has been done for a lot of different movie covers i like it it's cool you know i'm i'm going with a four it's a solid solid covers nothing nothing like blows my socks off, but like it's they're pretty good see they do blow my socks off
1: so i'm going four and a half I'm gonna use the half uh, card if you right, if you would right. allow me. I'll out, I'll out. Okay. Free space. What's your winner? What's your big five out of five winner for the book? So I guess if we didn't have setting,
0: it would be setting. I just think that I guess to pull like a easy one is is just the the bridging that he does, the the perfect placement in between the two stories, and his ability to get us up to speed quickly. Intertwine elements of Savage and Deep State, while also, you know, obviously you, we got this before Storm Rising, so we're getting hints like for what is said Like at the very end, we find out that she's going to that MMA camp. Um, we know that she's going to take some time off. That she is thinking about her father, and that this the suicide at the end of Savage Road is, you know, on her mind. So, yeah, I just liked how he perfectly placed this in between the two novels, as well as bringing in a real life story and intertwining it with Haley's mission. And um, I think he just executed that greatly. So I'm going to give it to to execution. That's going to be my free space. I'm going to give the five out of five to Dan
1: Conaway. Okay. Oh, he's at the air acknowledgement, right? Yeah, I have no idea who Dan Conaway is, but Chris writes, I would like to thank Dan Conaway for sparking the notion of writing a Haley chill novella. Yes. Yes, yes. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. The five out of five is this book was written. What a brilliant idea to do a little, as he says here, interstitial, a story between the stories to keep us going. And whoever had the idea to place it on January 6th, I don't think there's one thriller or movie character I want to see more in the crowd on January 6th than Haley Chill. I just absolutely love that. Great choice, great decision. Five out of five to Dan and Chris for bravely and boldly thinking of and writing the story.
0: Yes, thank you. See, Rap would just would just go home. He, he'd be like, "This is this is dumb." Like, call me when there's someone to kill. You know, he, he'd have to know ahead of time that there's Russians in the building. You know, then he would go in, but he wouldn't just like be there for
1: for no no other reason. Well, she's also unassuming. She's unassuming. She can blend in with the crowd. She's from West Virginia, so it, you know she yes. needs to make it look like she's part of that. She'll be unassuming to the Russians if she stumbles upon them; they'll think she's a nobody swatter out of the way. I feel like she is just that level of talent, but also the ability to blend in that you know Scott Harvath isn't going to have, Scott Coleman isn't going to have. A jacked up Mitch Rapp in this situation. He's better off in the Middle East. You know, he's going to look too dark for this crowd, if I'm being honest with right. you. <laughs> Haley right. Chill is just the perfect person to be there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially being from West Virginia, you know, like <laughs> being from West Virginia, the way she looks. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So
1: I give it a 44, Mike. What did you give it? That comes out to a 45 and a half. I think it's justified. It earns that. That might be the highest score we've given. On the Thriller Pod Scorecard, and I think so. I'm down for it. I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, that's very good. All right. Well, that that was Insurrection Day, man. L- little little short pod for a little short book. I like it. Little novella of a pod. As we said at the top, we have a whole host of content coming to you in the next couple weeks. Be on the lookout, but be on the lookout for that both on this feed, No Limits, the Thriller Podcast, as well as on our other feed. No Limits, the Scott Hardbath podcast. We're going to be updating those constantly next couple months. So yeah, just stay tuned. Again, we need to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or we have new twitter and instagram handles don't we Mike? yes we do at thriller podcast we are at thriller podcast on both those and as always trust no one